0: I, I I said last week in the 11 o'clock service that I have to begin the 9 o'clock with an apology. And the reason why is because I was a, a little bit under the weather and I try to cover a big old stretch of scripture, right? And I thought as I was preparing that I'm going to park on one of those stretches of scripture that we dove into last week as we talk about making peace when it comes to the body of christ last week we talked about being peacemakers and how important it is to be peacemakers we talked about what it looks like to be peacemakers in the world and today i want to park at the portion of scripture we didn't talk about much about being peacemakers being peacemakers within the church community now let me just say this peacemakers we said that peacemakers or a peacemaker is someone who makes peace instead of keeping false peace right we can keep a false peace peace Meaning there's no real peace, but in order to not cause a chaos or or a conflict, we're just going to avoid conflict, right? We're going to avoid it. Kind of like some Thanksgiving dinners when Uncle So-and-So shows up or, you know, or or, or somebody in the family just, you know, everybody kind of stays away because they're afraid of the conflict that may arise, right? That's keeping a false sense of peace as opposed to addressing the real issue. Are you with me? You understand what I'm saying? So there are times in life where it's much easier to keep the peace than to make peace, right? It is always easier to keep peace than to make peace. And we said that sometimes there's a peace to be had only on the other side of war. And that can make sense uh, nationally. That makes sense within family. That makes uh, sense within friends, right? There's some conflict that needs to be resolved before there can be real peace. Because if not, there's just a sense of false peace not worth keeping. Imagine, imagine living life with all of our relationships with just a false sense of peace. Some of us would say that's not hard to imagine because that's the way the world lives, right? That's the way we lived sometimes with certain relationships, just a false sense of peace, no real peace. And so that's not what God desires for us. And we we said that there are certain things that uh, we said number uh, secondly that Jesus was the ultimate peacemaker. He came to make peace between God and man. Thank the Lord. And we have our example of how to be a peacemaker through seeing Jesus Christ. We said that there are certain things not worth keeping peace uh, over. We shouldn't keep peace with injustice. We shouldn't keep peace with sin, especially the sin in our lives. We said how easy it is to look, notice the sin of others. But, man, for some reason, so difficult to notice my own sin and to call it what it is. Okay. And we shouldn't keep, the, uh, we shouldn't keep peace with new age bullies, right? Uh, with new age bullies. And what I meant by that is that today's culture and its tolerance message is really, is what it really is, is telling us what to preach and what not to preach. And we have to be willing to make peace, to speak truth in love and not be bullied by the culture. And so God calls us to make peace. And today, what I want to do is dive into, into keeping the peace uh, in regards to, or into not keeping the peace with offense, How to deal with offense. How do we as a church deal with offense? Uh, In other words, how to be a peacemaker within church folk. Okay? Y'all are giggling already. Right? We want to talk about making peace within church folk. You and I are church folk. I love the church. I love the church. Unfortunately, when we hear the church... Some of us here, religious establishment, and when, when I said making peace within church folk, some of you probably got the wrong connotation, the wrong pit in your gut, or the wrong thing that came to your mind, right? But I want to redeem the church. There's nothing more beautiful than healthy relationships within the church. And this is why it's one of the things the enemy attacks most, because the Word of God says they will know that you belong to me by the love that you have for one another, Jesus says, they will know that you belong to me by the love that you have for one another. So, of course, the enemy is going to attack there to try to create conflict, to bring gossip, to bring division within the church. So who is given the responsibility to guard the unity of the church? We are. We are. And we guard the unity of the church by the way we treat each other, right? Pray for each other. And so, and the way we view each other and the expectations we have of each other. All of those things are vital. I'm telling you that there are three major issues that will inform your worldview. What you believe about the Bible, what you believe about Jesus, the Son of God, and what you believe about people. Okay? Those three major things well, can, can, can really drastically change, your, will drastically change your world, worldview. And I'm speaking today to you about one of the single most important issues that needs to be talked about on a regular basis within the church is how to make peace when it comes to your brothers and sisters in Christ. The church is in a state of crisis over and over again because of this inability, it seems not an inability, I should say an unwillingness to make peace instead of just keep a false peace or just run away into another church where you don't have a conflict, assuming that the conflict won't meet you there. Can I get a witness? Right? I mean, the reality of the matter is that we as a church need to be serious about making peace with each other. It's vital in order to be a healthy church that experiences revival and has open, honest relationships that they're worth keeping, worth investing in. Unfortunately, you and I both know that one of the greatest challenges in areas where the church is most attacked is in the unity of the church and the relationships of the church. God calls us to a unity that will show his love here on earth. And of course, the enemy wants to attack that. Now, here are some things that we have to keep in mind as we become church folk and hang with church folk. I'm a church folk. I love the church. I want to have a right perspective of the church. And it's not about a building. It's about the people in the kingdom of God, right? I want to have a right perspective. And here are some things that we have to keep in mind about the church, the people of God, the people who are being sanctified, who are holy, who are righteous, who are beautiful and brilliant before the eyes of Jesus. They have issues. We have issues. You're never going to find a church with people who don't have issues. You're never gonna find a person who doesn't have issues. Say this over and over again. Let let that sink in. Because what I'm really saying is, you have issues. Okay, you got issues. I got issues. Jack has issues. Right? Nick has issues. Right? We can start every service. Hi, my name is Carlos. I got issues. Hi, hi, brother Carlos. We have issues. We don't like to admit it or talk about it because we think we are giving glory to the devil when we do, but we still have issues that we're working through because transformation is a process. It's not an an arrival. And we have to be willing to accept that I'm in a transformation process, not arriving. Are you with me on that? Second, we can, believe it or not, we can still be offended. I want you to know this you can be offended brother sack i love brother sack and i'm gonna tell you if anybody works walks close to this it's brother sack brother sack mobius from uh, who's going to Azerbaijan. he he is a peaceful guy he just has the patience of god sometimes it, it almost drives me nuts it's like man you are it is incredible the level of peace in your life and your grace and your ability to put away you know to just walk in that and he said something when he preached he said You know what I'm praying, God, make me unoffensive. In other words, no, he said, God, help me to grow to a point where I don't get offended at things. You know, I don't want to get offended at things. And I thought, man, that's, whoa, that's that's a great prayer to pray. We should pray it. Pray it. But pray it knowing that you can still be offended. Pray it and believe it. But don't ever get to a point where you think you're free from offense. Well, Pastor, isn't that having doubt? No, that's being wise. Because the moment that you think you're not, you can't be offended, the enemy is going to be around the corner to present an opportunity for you to be offended. Okay? So pray the prayer, God, teach me to have discernment to recognize when offense comes so I can deal with it. That's a good prayer to pray. But if you make an assumption that you cannot get offended, what's going to happen is you're going to be offended and you're going to be, and and you're going to get it, be ignorant to the fact that you're offended, and it's going to affect your relationships. We can still be offended. We hate this. We all wish we were like Jesus, and we can say, oh, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. But really, that's, that's not how we feel sometimes. We just want to roundhouse kick somebody in the name of Jesus, right? We just, uh, it's just not, it's just not, <laughs> Brother Jack, you know, we, hey, we already said Jack has issues, okay? <laughs> Listen, right? So, it's just, it's just the truth that we all want to arrive there. But if we were honest with ourselves, we could, we can tell when we've been wounded, when we've been offended. Second, third, we can still be offensive. We're not only easily offended; we can be offensive. And the thing about, you know, what I realize about myself, and I don't want to hear one loud amen, not one. Okay, but here's the deal. Right, that. You, some of y'all already gearing up to say amen. I'm not even, <laughs> you guys ain't right. <laughs> I just opened my, you know what I realize? It's not only that I can be offensive, it's that I don't even recognize when I'm being offended. Anybody like that? <laughs> right? It's like somebody's about to dance here. and You don't even realize that sometimes you say things you don't even realize that you're being offended, offensive. Right? You you say things, you walk, things are misinterpreted. You don't know that you're being offensive. We can not only be offensive, but we don't even recognize when we are offensive. And why is that? Why do you think that we can't recognize when we're being offensive? What are some reasons? We all think differently. We all think differently. That's right. (laughs) Right, right. We're... We're in a hurry and we're not thinking, and we say stuff. Man, can you imagine? Can you imagine if you had a dime for every time you said something without thinking? That's an that's a that's a retirement plan for me. Right? I mean, I mean, that's a major major issue. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. The scripture says. Wow. It's a major issue. We gotta confess to it. Why else? All right. Overhearing a conversation, some of us call it ear hustling. <laughs> right. <laughs> Different <laughs> in other <laughs> conversations. hmm Some people are just desensitized. They they just say whatever's on their mind they're offensive and they're just not aware right that's a great point here's yep brother sometimes not truly listening to actually what's going on and having a response or whatever right absolutely listen i also think that god does not allow me to see when i'm being offensive because god is calling a brother to hold me accountable to talk to me so that I can deal with certain things and grow. Because my worldview is limited to my experience. There are certain things I say that may be offensive that I don't know are offensive until somebody comes alongside me, loves me enough to say, hey, can I talk to you? When you said this, this is what I interpreted. And I could be like, whoa, that's not what I meant. But now I've, I've grown, I've learned. Why does that happen? Because again, God calls us to depend on each other as a body. Are you with me? There are certain conflict, certain offenses we're gonna not going to be able to see pass through or, or to grow from unless we have a brother or a sister in Christ that holds us accountable and pulls us to the side and say, hey, can we talk about this? Let's have a conversation about this. Okay. And here's another reality that we need to understand about the church. So here are the realities. We still have issues. Number two, we can still be offended. We can still be offensive. And here's a reality. It is, it is a fact. It is unfortunate. But here's the deal. We deal with conflict terribly. You know, as a church, as a whole, my experience as a pastor, I'm not talking about The Rock or Bethel, my home church in Orlando. I'm talking about all my experiences with the church body. We have a really terrible time dealing with conflict. And you know why we have a hard... Why do you think the church has a hard time dealing with conflict? Huh? Fear. Absolutely fear. What? Pride. In what sense? You don't want to admit that you're wrong. Isn't that crazy that a church that begins with confessing that you're a sinner in need of a Savior has a hard time admitting that we're wrong? The irony. Right? What else? it's uncomfortable and raise your hand if you love to be uncomfortable any takers no okay pastor laura Uh, self-preservation right (laughs) dj you ain't right self-preservation right we want people to like us so i don't want to have to deal with some issues so that i'm liked this why, why else Because we inwardly don't believe that there should be conflict in church. You know how many people come to church it's like, well, there shouldn't be any conflict in church. So I'm just not going to address this because there can't be conflict in the church. What? Just look at the way Jesus walked with his disciples. There, were, there was constant conflict with the disciples. And many of us walk away from conflict because we believe there shouldn't be any conflict. There should only be peace. So I'm just going to ignore that. So what did we choose there? We're not making peace. We're keeping false peace. And then the conflict just exists all over. And somebody will come and they'll notice the conflict and the tension that somebody needs to address. Right. It's obvious to them, but we don't want to deal with it because the church is holy and perfect. This should be in unity and there's no conflict. So we're just going to ignore that and keep a false sense of peace. And then all of a sudden, it feels like the twilight zone in the church, right? Right? It feels weird. So, we deal with conflict. Now, all of these truths are a recipe for disaster, absolute, total, relational disaster. The crazy thing is that some people have thought that because I was a pastor, that I wasn't plagued by these same relational challenges. And I go, thank God for a pastor who can help us walk through these relational challenges. (laughs) so flattering and so false. I still have issues. If you say something crazy to me, I might get offended. Don't say something crazy to me, right? I can be offensive and I'm I'm offensive more times than I care to admit and also at times I don't even know when I'm being offensive offensive. And when it comes to conflict resolution, some people think, well pastor, you just do that so well you just you must thrive and love to resolve conflict. Don't know nobody who loves to resolve conflict. I don't know anybody who likes to be in the trenches of having to deal with conflicting conversations and loving people through them over and over and over again. At one point, it is, it is exhausting. Resolving conflict hasn't come easy to me. It's not coming easy. It's an issue of growth. It's an issue of growth. And it's not just my responsibility to grow in resolving conflict. It's all of our responsibility it's a responsibility we have to admit I'm not perfect in resolving conflict. I probably have a default that's not godly. Right? The way that I've seen conflict re- uh, dealt with that's probably what I'm going to respond to. And third, the Bible does call me to respond appropriately to deal with conflict. Now, if this conversation doesn't appeal to us to us if if we're not if if this doesn't interest us how to deal with conflict within the church, if we're not interested in learning how to have Christ-centered, God-honoring relationships, and the such, such, then we're not ready for the Christian walk. Because the first thing Jesus is going to do is connect me with somebody who we just said has issues. First thing, right? Because iron sharpens iron, right? We're not ready for the Christian walk. We're not ready to grow at all. And we're completely unaware of our strongholds. If we're unwilling to walk in relationships, where we deal with conflicts now why do healthy christ-centered and god-honoring relationships what do they look like what do healthy christ-centered and god-honoring relationships look like what do they look like reverent and graceful with each other what does that mean i see brother dwight that god is doing a transformation work in brother dwight and i have a responsibility to say lord As I talk to Dwight, what are the passions that you put in him? What are the desires you put in him? And what are you doing with this man of God? That I may see him reverently, not just through his challenges, that he would see me not just through my challenges, but that we would see each other as what God desires for us. And gracefully, which means I see what God's called you to be. I know that you're in a process of transformation. So when you drop the ball, I got grace for you. I got grace for you. But not too much, so don't don't offend me. Because I'm just kidding. (laughs) kidding, Right? I got grace. We got grace for each other. That reverence and grace. Number one. That's what Christ-centered relationships look like. Secondly, honest about ourselves. Christ-centered relationships are honest about offenses. They're non-combative when confronted about our offensiveness. You know, you ever dealt with somebody you confronted. Somebody say, hey, brother, you know, I just want to talk to you. This offended me when you say that. Oh, well, you got to take that to the throne. That's between you and Jesus. That's not what I meant. I'm right with God. That's your issue. I'm about to make it your issue. (laughs) If you don't slow down on that, right? You ever, it's not, what is that person doing when they say, well, that's between you and God? What are they doing? They're disconnecting with you. They're not showing a desire for reconciliation or restoration. They're making it your problem alone and not seeing how the enemy is dividing. Now, how many people does it take in the church to say, well, if someone's offended at me, that's their issue before the whole church is divided. Okay. It's just inappropriate. Let's deal with that and say, I don't, I do not have the freedom to say that's their issue. I got to hear them out. I got to respond biblically and figure out how to walk in restoration. Able to share concerns in love and truth. What is a Christ-centered church with godly relationships look like? Able to share concerns in love and truth. In other words, we're not going to sugarcoat the truth, but we're going to speak it with grace, with love. Brother Jack. sure yeah we can pick up an offense for someone else an illegitimate offense right or legitimate right so i mean for sure able to share concerns and love and truth teachable being able to have an attitude man i didn't mean brother when i said that i didn't mean to offend you so how can i say it differently how could i have said that differently Right? It's giving someone permission to speak into your life. Right? Teachable. Reconcilers and restorers. I'm going to say something that's very difficult. I want you to pray about it. I want you to take it to the throne. And I don't want you to answer it right away. But does your heart have an attitude that you're seeking to be a restorer and a reconciler? Meaning, You're wanting to draw people near to God. You're wanting to embrace people who need mercy and grace. You're wanting to be a person that's recognized as someone who's reconciling more than separating. Because that's the work of Jesus Christ. And if Jesus is in our hearts, we should have a desire to be reconcilers. It's a tough one. I want you to think about that. All right. Now imagine what it would be like if we as a church would commit to that and we would walk in that reverent and graceful, honest with each other, non-combative, able to share concerns, teachable and reconcilers. Whoa. Just imagine a church walking in that. It's just, it would be an incredible reality. Just, just imagine. What does that look like for a church like that? You know what it looks like? Finally, I'd be able to let my hair down. Symbolically speaking, right? I'd be able to just be myself. We'd be able to just relax in each other because we have each other. We will see and experience transformation in our lives unimaginable. Unimaginable. You know when transformation happens? When we make a commitment to resolve conflict and reconcile. Transformation stuff happens in that. And we will experience fellowship with God like never before. If you have an inability or an unwillingness to deal with conflict, you will also experience a diminutive fellowship with God. There's no question about it. Because you can't love God and not love the brethren. And you can't love the brethren without wanting to resolve conflict. okay now i'm ready for this i want us to experience this reality and i want to i want to just share this with you so instead of dealing with conflict let me ask instead of dealing with conflict what do you think we do instead of walking like this what do you think the church as a a whole what what is it that we've seen done inappropriately avoidance or walk away Uh uh-huh passive aggressive about it yeah yeah you know i know that i know that some you know some people have come up to me sometimes and said pastor did um did so-and-so talk to you you gotta let me know did they tell you because what you just preached about my wife must have talked to you it's like no i didn't i didn't talk to no one and i don't do that i don't do the whole I just want to talk about uh, somebody who did this. I'm not going to mention any names, but this is not godly, right? This is not godly. That's not reverence for each other. Okay. All right. So the first thing that we need to recognize in dealing with conflict is this. God is aggressive about restoration, and he wants us to be aggressive about restoration, too. God is intentional about restoration, and he wants us to be intentional about restoration. Would somebody read Matthew 18, verse 10? Two fourteen. Now, we're going to read a portion of scripture that's supposed to be read together, and yet can be broken up in different sections. And it is in our Bible, but this is really something that's supposed to be read together uh, to get a full meaning of what God is uh, God is uh, dealing with or what He's addressing. So let's read Matthew chapter eighteen, verse twenty, uh, verse fifteen through twenty. Excuse me. No, verse a. Verse ten through fourteen. Somebody read that for us. Verse 10, verse 10. Okay. think of that scripture we can bring it back to that first screen I want you to think of that scripture what grabs your attention about that scripture about God he cares about all of us us. and how deeply does God care about us individually and what lets us know that God cares for us individually according to the scripture he left the 99 to go get the wine Right? And what else? He was happier for the one. Does that mean that he could care less for the 99? So, what does that mean? He's that happy for each and every one, right? You got four kids, you lose one, you're going to be super excited about gaining that child back, right? It's not that you're not excited about the other. The other three is that you're just so glad that your family's back, right? What else? Uh Uh-huh. So he instructs the 99. That's very good. Instructs the 99 on how to treat the one. Right. He says, be careful. This little one is very precious. And the little one is not talking about children as much as child in the faith. Right. Those who which means those who are not mature. Be careful how you treat those who are not mature in Christ. Okay, And what do we know about people when they're not mature? They are Immature. It's a big revelation there, okay? Write that on a poster. Tag it on Facebook. Right? I mean, just let's, the reason why I say it like that is because we don't like to deal with immature people. Because we could hardly conceive ourselves as immature in any area. Right? I I want you to be careful how you treat these immature. They're not at the development in in their faith that you can expect the same thing that you may expect from others. Be careful, and I care for them so much that I send my angels. Okay? Individual care there. And those angels see me face to face. You know, in other words, if if God has entrusted heavenly beings the care of his children, how should you treat them? Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Sister Gwen, that's so good. The re- re- reality, Sister Gwen says, sometimes we have expectations that are here for people real high and God doesn't want us to have those expectations because they're not ready for all that. Right. They're not ready and we set them up for failure. And so uh, just that's a great point, Sister, Sister Gwen. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. That should be our hearts. When somebody does something or, you know, they're really struggling with something, our hearts should be like the heart of the father. God, my heart is not willing to lose my relationship with my brother and my sister in Christ. My heart is not willing to let somebody else just leave the church because they're not dealing with conflict. My heart is not willing, willing for, for someone to just go. And I'm not just going to point to the pastor to deal with that conflict and bring that bring everybody back who leaves. But no, my heart is not willing to let people go. It's the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father. I am convinced that people, people give up on their growth by leaving church, going from church to church. And I'm not opposed to recognizing a season where maybe it's time to transition. But when there is no conflict resolution, no, no peace that's being made. Um, uh, uh, you know, there's no reason to move forward. So there is a biblical process by which we should deal with offenses. Would somebody read Matthew 28, 15 through 20? Not all at the same time, please, so we can all hear clearly. Just so much chatter right now. Matthew Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Okay, stop right there. If your brother or sister sins, go go and point out their fault. Okay, if they sin against you, just point out what they did wrong. If he listens to you, what have he done? one you've gained your brother this should be our desire to gain each other not to push away each other if we don't have a desire to gain each other to win and to have you know win in our relationship to grow together there's something unhealthy that's not the heart of the father we need to deal with that okay go ahead can you keep reading there sister Okay, now let's go back to verse 16. But if they will not listen, take one or two other along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. What is Jesus doing with offense? How is he asking us to treat offense? When you look at that verse, what is Jesus doing with offense? That's a weird question, but there's something he's doing there that we need to recognize. Jack, don't let it go. Number one, do not let it go. Do not say to yourself, time heals all things. No, no. Some conflict and some offenses aren't healed unless they're addressed, right? They, are, they need to be addressed. What else is Jesus doing there? Okay, bring in another perspective. Bring a mediator. Mediating is very important. Can I speak now to marriages? I don't know why in the world we think to ourselves, oh, we're just going through whatever marriages go through. We don't need a mediator. We'll resolve this. Mayday. Sometimes that's not the case. Issues are not resolved. And conflict exists for years and decades. Simply because we're too proud to admit that a mediator... Will be helpful. Do not lose your marriage. Do not lose years. Do not lose your children because we're too proud to admit that a mediator could be helpful. What else? Jesus is making it very legal, established with the testimony of two witnesses. So Jesus is making this issue really legal. It's like, man, he wants to treat conflict as if it were something that we're taking before court. Yes. Because before the heavens, that's exactly how he sees it. Because relationships in the kingdom are valuable. And if we're not intentional, if we don't treat them as such, it, it becomes a rift that destroys the very witness of the church. It is by love by the love that we have for one another, that the world will know that we belong to him. And if we give up our ability to deal with conflict and deal with it quickly and deal with it godly, then we give up our ability to witness to the world. So Jesus is establishing a way that we would deal with it swiftly. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they've refused to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And we went about this last week. How do we treat people who are, are not in the kingdom or people of the world? We're going to treat them with respect, we're going to treat them with honor, but we're not going to allow them entrance to speak into our lives and continue to commit offenses. That's what it means here. It doesn't mean, you know, curse them out say all kinds of negative things about them you know what jesus is saying understand that they're refusing to be a part of the church and deal with things the way that i've called the church to deal with so treat them as you would someone who's outside of the church and how do we do that we witness to them right we we treat them with respect we treat them honorably but we know that we can't give them access to speak into our hearts because they don't have in mind the heart of they don't have the heart of god amen boundaries are healthy boundaries in the church are healthy you shouldn't just let people speak and say crazy things just because they're Christian right you know just again should we should sh- have healthy boundaries if they still refuse so here's the deal so when conflict comes and somebody offends you you're supposed to we're supposed to go to that one individual not to anybody else right After we go to that individual then' we're, and if they don't listen then we take it to a trusted brother or sister in Christ that has in mind the heart of God. What is the heart of God? To gain my brother, to gain my sister. Restoration. And if it doesn't work then, then it's supposed to be taken to the leadership of the church. Brother Jack? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think that you can address, well, I think, you know, if, if, if someone's living in sin, or there's a situation of sin that needs to be addressed, yes, absolutely, you can confront them in truth and in love, for sure, you know, I thank God somebody confronted me, right, it's where my victory and my freedom came from, the love of a brother who confronted me while I was in my sin sickness, and brought me out of that, he won me, he won me, into another level of, of transformation in my life through, through that process. I saw another hand Carolyn yeah, yeah. offense. It's dealing with something that grieves your heart, and you know it, to the point where it's creating a rift between the relationship. Whatever sin, somebody, whatever somebody that actually caused something, somebody would say, hey, if if after three days you're still dealing with it, there's still an ouch in your spirit because of what was said, you probably need to, you know, pray about it, give it to God, and go to the person. Deal with it. Deal with it. Brother Matt? From a guest speaker, of course, not me. absolutely great point brother joy gordon would say if anyone can offend you jesus will jesus is going to offend you he's going to deal with your with your mess and you know when jesus wants us whole and healthy he's going to come in and deal with the issues that are offensive to him and when somebody begins to prod and poke at the areas that we want to keep hidden it's going to be offensive and jesus will be the first one to do that and he'll do that to the brothers and sisters in christ so absolutely we have to number one you know, maturity calls us to say, okay, they said that, but why am I offended? We should do that. We should do that. Here in this scripture, it's making the case that the offense is there and it's a legitimate offense. In this scripture, it's making that case. But well, that's absolute good practice. Sister, Pastor Laura. in this version, it says if your brother against you. Yeah. relationships i think the nasb the more literal would say if your brother or sister offends you you know offends you so again this is dealing with that yep Well, you know, the world is going to offend us. The world is going to persecute us because we belong to Jesus, right? To expect the world to act Christ-like, that's a false expectation, right? So we have to kind of be mindful. And, and when I mean the world, I mean our family members sometimes, you know, our own parents, our uncles, whatever it may be. They just don't have in mind the things of God, and we have to kind of keep that in mind as we deal with it. And that may mean that we set boundaries, To make sure that we don't give people access to continue to offend us. To continue to, you know, it's healthy to have boundaries and say I'm going to love you from a distance. Right? And so, I mean, God wants us to be healthy in this way. So, okay, what are we supposed to do with a legitimate offense? Okay, we're supposed to go to our brother or sister and deal with it one on one. Don't pick up the phone and call anyone else. Right? And if and if you happen to be the receiver of that phone call of someone who's offended, and they say to you, you know what? They may be good intention. They may just be processing. They say, you know, so-and-so offended me. I don't know what I'm how to deal with it. Well, this is what you would say. This is what I do. Hey, you know what? This is what the Bible teaches us. Go to them. This is what I'm going to do. I know how difficult this is, so I'm going to give you three days. In three days, I'm going to call you to see if you've dealt with this offense. If you are not dealt with it, I'm going to call you on it so that we can deal with it you know what's going to happen number one if that person wants to deal with the offense in a godly way they're going to thank you they're going to say thank you so much i just need that accountability but if that person's a gossip you're not going to hear from them again they're not going to be interested right because like i'm going to tell such and such this and he's going to make me talk to them about it and i just wanted to have some ungodly conversation come on right Commit to that. Say, hey, you know what? I think that needs to be dealt with. I'm going to call you in three days. I'm going to call you in a week. I'm going to expect you to have that conversation by then. Right? Trust me. Either they're not going to talk to you anymore or bring gossip, or they're going to be thankful that that you've addressed that. Now, I have been offended because of somebody else's offense. Anybody ever been offended because of somebody else's offense? Right? I have friend, you know, say we have 10 friends, and there's one friend out of that 10 friends who never offended me, never said anything inappropriate, always was encouraging to me, but that friend, let's make believe that friend said an offensive thing about another friend in that circle, right? And now that person that was offended came up to me and said, you know what, Brother Dwight, let me not pick on Dwight this time, you know, uh, you know what, uh, Brother Jim, he said this about me, and I'm just offended. I'm like, oh, brother Jim, I'm sorry. He said that, you know, that's not the truth of God. The Lord loves you. Let me pray with you, right? And I walk away from that, and I didn't tell him to do the right thing, which is deal with the offense with your brother. Now I'm offended for Jim because such and such said something inappropriate. Then I, then Sister Eunice comes up to me and says, oh, you know what? Brother Jim said this about me. <gasps> In my mind, I've already made it. I'm beginning to make judgments about Jim. Oh, you know what? Jim also said this about Dwight. (laughs) There's a pattern here. And sister, Sister Eunice, don't believe, don't believe that. You know what? Sometimes Jim gets out of hand and says things that are inappropriately. Oh, you know what that is? Gossip covered. You see how that happens? How churchy and how clean that looks? That's the devil in the flesh, right? Then all of a sudden we pray for Eunice. Let's say... Two days later, Jim notices he's a man of God. He realizes, you know, I think there's an offense. Sister Eunice, did I say something that offended you? Brother Dwight, did I say something that offended you? And then they reconcile. There's no problems because Jim, godly man, he senses that there's a rift in the relationship. There's reconciliation. And everybody's all good. Dwight and Eunice, they're just having fun. They're worshiping Jesus together. But I'm in the church. I'm like, look at that hypocrite. Don't know, nobody told me that they reconciled. And I'm sitting in the back judging Jim, praising with his hands raised. Don't he know the Bible says go make right with your brother before you give your worship to the Lord? That ain't worship. Lord, would you give Jim a revelation of his sin? It's so obvious to me right now. (laughs) See how that happens? I know you've never done that. Okay. All of a sudden I'm offended for somebody, and it's a third-party offense. I'm not even involved, and the offense is already dealt with. And I've already made a judgment about my brother or my sister in Christ. See how dangerous that is? Here's another thing I've seen happen. Instead of going to the brother, just go straight to the pastor. Oh, you're going to say that? I'm going to the pastor. Pastor, I need to talk. Whoa! Going straight to the pastor. I had somebody come up to me and I said, well, sister, so-and-so, I don't understand. This person has written you letters to try to get a hold of you, has apologized profusely has asked for a meeting and you refuse to meet with them. Why don't you meet with them? Because I have righteous anger. I have righteous anger. And there's a spirit in them. It's like, listen, you can take your spirit talk and your righteous anger somewhere else if you don't want to reconcile. Because when we deal with offense, it's never to push away, it's always to reconcile, to gain a sister or or a brother and this whole idea i'm not going to talk to them because i have righteous anger well the anger of man never produces the fruit that god wants out of our lives it never does okay so just be careful because there's a lot of way that we can hide the reality of an offense uh, and, and deal with things on go- in an ungodly way yeah You guys understand that great truth? You know, we try to over-spiritualize some things that are just practical. And for the Christian, I, I will add this. The way we live practically and the way we perceive things spiritual they're hand in hand. There's no separation between our natural practice and the spiritual things, right? They're supposed to go hand in hand. That's a great, that's a great, great truth. Okay, so let's park there. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. And, and verse 18, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's interesting that I hear the scripture or that being quoted in regards to taking authority, asking God to bless a nation, asking God to bring revival. And I'm all for it. I'm all for it. But I will say this. Revival ain't happening in the world if it doesn't happen in the church. You know, let me rephrase that. Let me say this. Uh, There are certain things that need to happen within the church. Holiness, purity. Purity right? And we can expect it from the world if it's not happening in the church. And here, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. It's talking about a spiritual authority. It's making offense a big, big deal in how we deal with it. Do you see it? See that? Whatever you loose on earth. In other words, it's a legal matter before the heavens. It's a real big deal. No wonder. No wonder So you know, not looking at the Scripture, no wonder, you know, we can say in some ways the church has been rendered ineffective in her witness. No wonder. No wonder we can say, you know, so many people just leave church hurt and broken and they're giving up on the church, whether legitimate or illegitimate, right? But this is the deal. We need to treat this with intentionality. Would you stand with me? <clears throat> Next week we'll dive... And to Peter's question, how many times must I forgive a brother who sins against me? Some of the, um, my greatest relationships, the closest relationships that I have in my life, are relationships that have caused the greatest offense in my life. As, now, talking about the Christ, as a Christian, when I came to faith in Christ, I realized that the brothers that I'm closest to, mm, they've, they've done some offensive things. And I've done some offensive things. And you know, I can also tell you that it is through those relationships that I've grown dramatically. Transformation took place in those relationships. Because we made a commitment to each other to deal with offense. And we made a commitment to admit our wrongs and to gain, you know, a brother. To have this winsome, this reconciling, this restoring attitude. The greatest relationships in my life. I want you to ask yourself. I want you to come before the Lord and just be honest. How are you doing kingdom relationships? Are you making peace? Are you making peace? Or are you keeping a false peace? Are you an island, or are you intentionally connecting with your, with a body of believers? It's a real, real lonely place to have Christian values, Christian beliefs, Christian moral, morality, uh, Christian desires, and have no relationships to walk that out and hold that accountable. It's a lonely place, and it's a place of no growth. Now, that doesn't come overnight. So it takes some intentionality. It takes some intentionality. Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to uh, have your heart. God, give us your heart to be restorers and reconcilers. And Lord God, um, thank you for uh, um, just what, Allowing us to wrestle with the offenses, with the conflict. And for giving us a vision for unity within your church. We want to be a part of the unity, the uniting force of the church. Lord, we don't want to go through life without having meaningful relationships. Meaningful, godly relationships. And we know, God, that so many people go through life with a lot of meaningful relationships. I mean, uh, a lot of relationships that are meaningless. God, just going through the motions, would you help us to establish godly, meaningful relationships? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I remember during my wedding, I had a lot of my brothers come up to my wedding from Orlando, Florida. And that's when my older sister who has now gone to be with Jesus after a battle with ovarian cancer. But um, that's when my sister came to begin to come to faith in Christ. She called me after she left the wedding uh, that same week or the week after she called me. She said, I need to talk to you. She says, I want to talk about your friends. I'm like, well, what about my friends? I said, you guys love each other. It's like, yeah, we love each other. He, goes, yeah, but you guys really love each other. It's like, yeah, we really do. We love each other. What are you getting at? I'm not understanding. She said, man, I got the job that I want. I make the money that I want. I got the place that I live at where I'm, that I want. I can do whatever I want when I want, but I don't have, I don't have that. I'll give, I'll give it all up for that. And I said, well, you just jumped in. Let's talk about big Jesus. Talk about Jesus. And God allowed me to lead my sister to the Lord over a phone call because of the love that she saw in the church. I didn't preach. As a matter of fact, the one point she told me, don't preach to me, I'll never walk into the church. You know, that point I didn't preach. She was impressed by a love she didn't have. Church, that's true witness. That's true witness. If you're here today and you're saying, I want to make a commitment to be a peacemaker within the church, I, I realize that I need to strengthen that commitment today. To raise your hand, right where you're at. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for your church. These are uh, these are conduits of revival. These are people that are conduits of salvation on earth because they make a commitment to love each other and to be peacemakers within the church. Would you grow them in this area? Give them your wisdom, Lord God. And, and Father God, uh, just that they would know that dealing with conflict is not easy for anyone, Lord God. But it's the call of the saints. And the reward of dealing with conflict is so much greater. So much greater than the false peace that we try to keep. Teach us, O oh God, to be peacemakers. To be peacemakers. In Jesus' name. Now listen, I'm going to make a really tough call. I'm going to ask you with your eyes closed, with your head bowed at this time, to just consider this. You're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I've been in church, but I realize that I have a lot of relationships that are just superficial because of my unwillingness to connect, my uh, really unwillingness to deal with conflict. It's gone through the motions. and I realize that it's led through superficial to superficial relationships and I want to grow I want to have relationships that are meaningful would you pray that the Lord will help me make steps in that direction would you raise your hand right where you're at amen 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 I see your hand father in the name of Jesus I want to say thank you today for my brothers and sisters who are raising their hands today and who are meditating this deeply in their hearts they are saying, they are saying, I want to be teachable. I want to be non combative. I want to be restoring. I want to have grace and I want to be reverent. I don't want to just walk away. I want to walk through with my brothers and my sisters in Christ. Oh, Lord, I know that you answer their prayer. Lord, where two or three are gathered, there you are. And we ask, oh, God, make us us, Make us reconcilers. Lord, God, strengthen, strengthen our relationships. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you will make the rock, that you will make your church a church that walks in true unity. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you today. God bless you.